to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host, I'm a retail transformation specialist, a coach and a consultant, and I work with retailers to help identify their ideal omnichannel operating models and developing and delivering the change roadmap that is required to bring that operating model into reality and in turn, bringing your strategy into life. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 100. And 87, number 187. And really, I'd like to kick off this episode by asking you a challenging question. And I would genuinely like you to play along here. What if, what if your change and transformation is wrong? What if it's the wrong thing to do? What if it is going to damage your organization more than help your organization? What if the approach that you are taking is leaving plenty of opportunity left on the table and perhaps even opening you up to threats. Have you stopped and considered what if your transformation is wrong? And have you also therefore considered what would be the implications if it was wrong and you didn't realise continuing to drive change, continuing to push through transformation with each step making matters worse. I mean, the implications could be huge, right? At the very least, you're looking at a whole load of wasted time, wasted money, wasted capital. But then you could look at losing pace in the market. You could be facing significant penalties, maybe being sued or opening yourselves up to liability cases or not meeting new legal requirements. You could find yourself losing customers, losing cash. You could find yourself equally losing colleagues as well, whether that's through increased churn and attrition and resignations, or even just losing the trust and the loyalty and the hearts and minds that you have gradually earned over many years of positive management. And perhaps, worst of all, you could be missing out on something so much better. While you are focusing your efforts and your headspace on this particular change, on this particular transformation, then you're not also focusing your efforts and your headspace on something else, something amazing. So the implications could be pretty terrible. But today, I would like to explore with you what if your change and transformation is wrong. Why would that be? What would be the impact? And most importantly, what can you do about it now, just to make sure that it's not wrong? The show notes for today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 187. And whilst you're over there, do remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. That's my free email newsletter which covers the hot trends in the world of retail 
new initiatives, new innovations, and new intel to help make sure that your transformation is not wrong and you are headed on a successful path. Sign up for free obandco.uk slash 187. Alrighty, let's get into this. Why would your transformation be wrong? There are many reasons, let's be honest. And you and I are now going to step through some of those broad reasons and like I say, what can you do about them? But just before we do, a couple of quick caveats. Many of these root causes, these challenges are connected. And so whilst it would be lovely to be able to diagnose a complex challenge like the fact that your transformation is wrong into a single simple mistake, like I say, it would be lovely, but it's not going to happen. So don't be looking for that one silver bullet, but instead think about the interactions and actually how some of these mistakes can be made and interfere with each other, making matters worse still. And then secondly, I think I'm going to use the word poor quite a bit over the upcoming episode. And I suppose I just wanted to caveat the use of that word, not to describe your performance, not to describe your team's performance or your colleague's performance, or even your organization's performance, but really to consider that that particular aspect is not ideal and that there are many better ways of doing that. And again, all of these different aspects that we're going to be talking about are so interconnected and life is complex, right? So I'm using poor to describe the overall situation, the overall scenario not being ideal. And I will pass judgment on why it is poor for the moment. All right. So let's get into it. First and foremost, an absolute whopper of a reason why your transformation is wrong is it's the wrong type of transformation. This is perhaps the most critical challenge if you are doing the wrong type of transformation. This is arranging deck chairs on the Titanic, so to speak. Now, you probably know just as well as I do that transformation is really overused, but you must consider that there are two different types of transformation at a very high level, and you need to use them in different ways. Those two different types are fundamental transformation, those big scale radical changes, starting with a clean sheet of paper, building something new, rethinking everything from the ground up, fundamental transformation, and then secondly, incremental transformation. Smaller optimizations, improvements, each one building up, gathering pace and connecting with other smaller changes to make a bigger movement. So fundamental and incremental transformation are the two different types. And most notably, if you or your organization are in a bad place, but you don't recognize that you're in a bad place and you find yourself in a false sense of security thinking, I am doing transformation, albeit incremental transformation when I need to be thinking more fundamentally, then that is how you get to that, like I say, arranging deck chairs on the Titanic analogy. And it's interesting because often when companies fail, if you then look back on the annual reports for the years leading up to that failure, those reports are talking about transformation. The word is there. 
in plain sight, written down in black and white. But of course, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that the transformation they were going after is the wrong type of transformation so often. They have found their customer base is moving away and they're focusing on little changes that is not going to radically change that. It is not fundamentally changing the game for that particular company. So I'd urge if you are going after the wrong type of transformation, that's the big thing that you need to get after because unfortunately the implications could be huge. You don't want to find yourself making small positive gains and ignoring the 600 pound gorilla or elephant in the room, right? <laughs> so what can you do about this? Well, first and foremost, you must have an honest view on your business. Talk to customers, talk to colleagues, experience your business as a customer, genuinely, or as a colleague, even genuinely as well. What's it like? Have an honest view. Listen intently. Look to understand, not to justify. And above all, recognize that you and your colleagues, your leaders, your team members all need to have a strong will to change. Because even if you understand the honest view, if you don't have that strong will to change, then you're not going to. You're going to focus on those small little improvements and miss out on the big fundamental transformation opportunity that inevitably does exist in front of you. So the wrong type of transformation is a big whopper here. But there are plenty of other reasons as well. Poor data is a reason that your transformation could be wrong. Perhaps you're just not looking at the right metrics or you're not gathering the data that allows you to look at the metrics that you should be looking at. So you have no real idea on what the data is. Maybe you've got multiple different sources of data and impacts all overlapping. And it makes it hard to see and to understand and to analyze what performance is like. Maybe you've got a lot of noise in your data, a lot of variability, and you don't recognize that. And you can't identify how much of the, the variability is due to noise or something that you can't control. Maybe you've got lots of duplicate data or equally lots of incomplete data sets as well. Lots of gaps. Maybe you're looking at the wrong timelines for your data. And of course, depending on how your business operates, you could have data entry mistakes as well. Of course, that's a little less common nowadays, but there are still opportunities for making mistakes in the raw data. And it's funny because as the saying goes, in data we trust. But the implication here is that if your data is poor, it will impact trust. It will impact your direction too. And what if you and your organization learn to not trust the data because it is pointing you in the wrong direction? It is telling you the wrong story. Incorrect data is leading you down the wrong path. Suddenly, you'll lose all the opportunity that data could bring because you don't want to think about data because you have learned, unfortunately, that data can mislead you. So what can you do here? Well, firstly, data governance is a really key topic here. You've got to understand your data. What is it? What does it mean? And how is it controlled so that it is good quality data? And a key part of data governance is going to be challenging those data sets 
really understanding why and how they could be incorrect and what it is you must do to get it into good quality data. And then thirdly, I would really encourage you to listen to your instinct as well as the intel. If the data is telling you something and it just doesn't feel right, there's probably a reason why you are feeling like that. Listen to your heart, not just your head. Another reason why your transformation could be wrong, also linked to data, is poor interpretation of the data. So the data is good quality, but it is being misunderstood, misinterpreted. And again, very closely linked to the previous topic. But this is all around having ambiguous data where people are not sure what they are looking at. And actually, what you think you're looking at and what I think I'm looking at may be the same data sets, the same piece of insight, but it means something completely different. And we're talking about the same thing, but with different meanings, different understanding. Particularly topical right now, we've got lots of challenge with historical data whether it's from COVID, whether it's from supply chain challenges from across the world, whether it's from the Ukraine war, or whether it is some other major event that is really skewing your data and your interpretation of the data. And if you don't recognize those massive events in the world, then the historical data is going to lead you to interpret something other than the truth. And all of those historical challenges means that there is no normal, really, in many ways nowadays. There is no clear year-on-year data set for almost anyone. And there are so many other reasons for the different trends happening as they are, other than this is the the ongoing performance, like it used to be in the old-fashioned days of 2019. Remember those? (laughs) So yeah, lots of noise, lots of variability, and it all makes it unclear what it is you're looking at, even if the data quality is good. The other consideration that can lead us to have a poor interpretation of data is bias. Bias exists. We have preconceived ideas that we fundamentally believe in our instinct, you could say. And then often we look for the patterns in the data that support those preconceived ideas, that bias, and we see what we want to see. So you do need to be very careful of that, not just in your transformation, but in the wider world. And it's something that I think is a a really interesting topic. So the implication of having poor interpretation of the data here, yes, it's around trust, But this time, it's more around direction of travel as well. And ultimately, investing time and resource in the wrong place, on the wrong thing. And so what must you do here? Firstly, it's about developing data capability and understanding. How can your organization become more data savvy so that they can learn to understand and interpret the data in the right way so that it is useful and you're not going to end up with an incorrect transformation. Secondly, think about how you can challenge your own conclusions. Play devil's advocate on yourself. It's very difficult, but try it. And on that topic, I'm always reminded of one of my great managers at Tesco, Vishal Pansel, and the advice he gave, which was the first answer is always wrong. And so often that is true. We have interpreted the data incorrectly. 
And yet, if you challenge yourself, you overcome the bias that exists within your own head, within your own heart even, as well as the others around you, and think, what else is this actually telling me? What are the other options on the table? How else could this data be interpreted? Moving on, another big challenge that could lead you to have your transformation going in the wrong direction is the fact that you are focused on the wrong problem. Now, this is very closely linked to the first point, the wrong type of transformation, as well as the second and third points around data and misunderstanding what is happening. And ultimately, you are confused over the priorities within the organization. You're not focused on what is actually at the heart of the challenges that the business face or the opportunities that are in front of you. Now, the implication here is that you don't actually fix any of the problems and you don't grasp those opportunities, like I say, that are in front of you. And so what could be a really positive change actually works out to be something that has relatively little value, a real missed opportunity here. So what can you do here? Well, it's really about understanding the root causes of the problem that you're facing or the opportunity that you think exists. Understand the impacts, understand the implications. And you must recognize that there are consequences of actions or performance, including unintended consequences that are a little harder to work through. So get into that root cause analysis, write down those root causes, write down the assumptions and explore them, test them. Think about doing a full tree analysis. Think about tools like an Ishikawa diagram and really go in and challenge yourself to say, well, what is it that is the problem here? What is the challenge in front of our business? Next up, it could be a challenge of rushed development. The solution is not thought through enough or it's not thorough enough. So perhaps it's only a partial solution that's not really fixing the whole problem or it's fixing it in a really bad way. Maybe the solution that you are developing in your transformation is not easy to use. And actually what happens is people always revert to what's easiest. So if the change that you present is not easy, it's less likely that it's going to be adopted and thus nothing happens, which we'll come back to later. It could be that the development or the solution is not robust, it's untested, it's unverified, it's unreliable. Or it could be that it's a one-size-fits-all solution. And it's more than likely that within the complexity of your particular business, there are lots of different segments of customers, of colleagues, of stores, of operations, whatever it is that your solution is focused on. It's likely that one size does not fit everyone. And this is a really big challenge here because if you are rushing through development, it's likely that you're maybe meeting some very tight deadlines or you're delivering under extreme and excessive pressure. But it could also be that you are cutting corners. Maybe there's a lack of experience and you don't know what to look for, or you're just accepting everything, saying, that'll do, that's good enough, when actually, it's not really. And ultimately, the implication here is around poor reliability and losing trust among your recipients of your change. And in turn, that wastes a whole load of time and money. And it means you're going to need to go back to the drawing board and do the work again, most likely. And so what can you do 
Well, if you are under excessive pressure and tight deadlines, then you do need to think about how you can best serve your organisation. What are the quick wins that you can go after? How can you do trials? How can you get to the essence of your idea, the DNA of your concept, your solution? And how can you just really get after that, almost taking a minimum viable product type approach? Make sure that you are understanding the problem. Make sure that you are understanding the root cause and you are focused at speed (laughs) on that particular root cause. And actually, there are elements around it that you can come back to later on as well. Also, make sure that you consider the different features and functions of whatever the solution is from different perspectives. Consider things from a customer's viewpoint or a colleague's viewpoint, or a supplier's viewpoint, or any other angle from that change deployment. Because if it's rushed, it's likely you're going to bypass all that. And those are the critical interactions that ultimately are likely to lead to the development and the solution failing and that transformation being wrong, ultimately. Next up, let's think about poor decision making. And again, there's lots of different ways that a decision can be made poorly. Perhaps there is no decision being made. Maybe it's not clear who is meant to be making the decision. Or maybe it's not clear that there is a decision to be made. Maybe there are inadequate options on the table, or each option isn't explored clearly enough. But also recognise that people are driven by metrics and ideals, be that personal or professional metrics. And it doesn't need to be an official metric that's written down on a report. Think sort of qualitative and quantitative. And ultimately, what happens is our behaviours are forged to deliver those metrics. I fundamentally believe that each one of us, every single one of us, is trying to do a good job, is trying to win at delivering those, uh, those metrics, those KPIs. But we may not recognise exactly what those KPIs are. Again, particularly thinking of both personal and professional metrics. But people that are making decisions and even recommendations or showing up options are driven by those behaviours, are driven by those KPIs. And do you understand what they are? Because a poor decision is not something that someone intends to do, right? No one wakes up in the morning and goes... I'm going to make a rubbish decision today. (laughs) But you do need to think about why is a decision being made in that particular way? And is that right or not? Is there another way to look at that? Because like I say, right is a challenging word because everyone thinks they are doing the right thing. Now, of course, the implications of making a poor decision are huge. There are lots of challenges that it will present. And ultimately, poor decision-making can make your transformation go very wrong. So what can you do? Firstly, understand what the decision is that is in front of you. Recognise that a decision will be made first and foremost. Who is making it? How are they going to make it? And what is it they need to know to consider things properly? You also must recognise that a decision will be made whether you like it or not. Even if you think no decision is made, a decision has been made. But the default option is to do nothing. Continue the status quo. So if you don't decide, 
Actually, you are making a decision. You are deciding to do nothing. And that might be okay. But recognise that is the decision, whether it is intentional or not. And then when you are considering who is making that decision, like I say, what's the recommendation that you're making? And why are different people opting for one particular direction or another, thinking about what's going on in their world? Why is it that different people consider different options as the right answer? Moving on now, we've got another couple of challenges that may result in your transformation being wrong. The penultimate one is change overwhelm. Perhaps you are facing excessive change or driving excessive change as well, right? Maybe there's a lot to do and you are making a huge amount of changes. Maybe it's change for change's sake. What happens is people feel continually unsettled, whether that's colleagues, whether that's customers, whether that's the leadership of the organisation. Too much change is overwhelming. It tests our resilience. We don't enjoy it. And if we don't enjoy something, we tend to not do something. Also ask, are people the recipients of change, whether that be customers or colleagues or whoever, are they seeing a significant improvement or not? Because if they are not seeing a significant improvement, and I mean really significant, then when there is so much change and it is so excessive, people start to ignore it or get confused. You know, let's think back to 2020 and 2021 and all the COVID restrictions. Early on, people understood the change that was being made, whether they were being asked to stay at home or work from home or whatever. They understood that change. But as things continued on, and especially as life started to resume and the rules started to change and change and change, what happened was people were increasingly unsure of what to do or what they were not allowed to do. And so what happens? People revert to what is easiest and least stressful for them, which may or may not be what you want people to do, right? So the implications of change overwhelm is that change never lands properly. People are overloaded, overworked, underappreciated. And what can be a really positive and significant improvement just doesn't land. So what must you think about here? Think about change capacity planning, limiting the amount of change that is driven through and focusing on the biggest, most important, most dramatically improving shifts that you can make. Also think about how you can create a coherent approach to the different changes. How can you bolt things together? How can you create a comm strategy that tells a story, that makes sense, that connects all of the dots together rather than being a piecemeal load of change coming at you? And how can you, I guess, as a, a follow-on, also take your deployment plans and group them together so you are getting batches of change if it makes sense? You also must think about clear messaging as well. We're talking about a story just two seconds ago. Think about how you can bring people in to that change story. How can you show them what's happening and why and what's going to be different at the end? But ultimately, the number one thing that you've got to do if change overwhelm is the challenge, you've got to limit the change. And it feels really weird saying that. <laughs> but you have to, because otherwise... Nothing works. So focusing in on your big bang, your big bet, the really big fundamental shifts, if that 
is what is needed. And then the final challenge, why your transformation is wrong, it's a slightly interesting one, this one, poor execution. So this is not so much the concept of your transformation that is wrong, but it's the way it's done. It's how it's implemented. Now, some of that may be around messaging and communications as described just two seconds ago. It may be poor training or poor tools to do the job. It may be about not listening to or responding to feedback or questions as the change starts to be deployed or communicated. Perhaps there's no management support, so it never gets the attention that the change truly deserves. Or maybe it's poor project PR in a way, and actually negative vibes continue to, to, to build and slows the whole thing down. And the implications here, again, are that nothing changes. Some great hard work that has gone into building the transformation falls flat at the last stage, the last hurdle. And so what can you do? Well, change management is the big opportunity here, both before and during and after the change. You must consider how you cannot skimp, don't go light on aspects that don't directly deliver the benefits, but that do aid in the transition to the new form. So whether that is around additional training or additional communications or elements of the change and the solution that you are deploying that are a nice to have, but actually secretly are a must have, but they don't come across as a must have because they don't have a lovely big benefit number attached directly to them. And then finally, also think about the effective ongoing support that you need to put in place to make sure that that execution does stay high in the early days, as well as as it embeds down and becomes the new sort of cultural norm. So as we begin to come to the close of this particular episode, there are so many reasons why your transformation could be wrong. And the implications that this particular challenge could have are massive. You know, just today we've talked about the wrong type of transformation, having poor data, having poor interpretation of that data, focusing on the wrong problem, delivering a rushed development, making poor decisions, experiencing change overwhelm, and finally, poor execution. So many different root causes, and I'm sure you can think of other specific elements within your change, your transformation, that could make it wrong. And if you would like some support in understanding if your transformation is wrong, or why it is not working, then reach out to me. Make contact. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And like I say, reach out and we can consider how we can work together on turning around your transformation and really boosting those change initiatives that are so essential to the future of your organization. We've touched on so many different topics today, but I'd love to hear your feedback. So do, like I say, reach out. You can find my email on the show notes if you didn't grab it just then. So those show notes are at obandco.uk slash 187. Also over there, you'll find the chance to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. Definitely do it. As well as some additional episodes to listen to, which very briefly are going to be episode 123 with Nicola Ascom. And we were talking about building data integrity 
with effective data governance. It felt particularly relevant given the conversations we had earlier on about poor quality data and poor interpretation of that data. You also might enjoy another couple of episodes. Episode 132, The Confusion of Transformation, where we talked about why there is a mist, a challenge over the change initiative. And episode 174, what to do when there is no right answer. And so if you are facing a challenging moment in your transformation where you're not sure what the direction is and you are afraid of making a wrong choice, then perhaps that episode is just the tonic for you today. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in and do consider challenging yourself. Honestly, challenge yourself. What if your transformation is wrong. Thanks for tuning in. I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very soon. Bye for now.